Uh, one of the most famous lines in all of Shakespeare, in all of his writings, is this. Once more unto the breach, dear friends, right? Who, you recognise that phrase? Once more. Unto, who knows where it's from? Who knows? Uh, I know Penny would know. Of course Penny would know. Go on then, Penny, tell us. Henry V. Henry v. Do you know what act? No. no, I didn't. I had to look it up. Act three, all right. Um, Henry V, yeah. Uh, in this uh, moment of the story, King Henry uh, is seeking to rally and inspire his forces to storm a breach in his enemy's wall. They were the French, by the way, so Laurence, I'm sorry about that, but that's just the story. Shakespeare, don't blame me, all right? There's the breach, the English, to storm uh, the castle. There's a breach in the walls, and he's rallying. It's a battle cry, a battle cry. Come on, let's storm the castle once more through this breach, dear friends. And the last uh, line of this great speech is, uh, is this. Follow your spirit and upon this charge cry God for Harry, England and St. George. And oh, those, if you're a true Englishman, your blood is just rising now, your chest is pumping. What an inspirational core battle cry. Come on. Uh, and it's not the only inspiring speech King Henry makes, actually. But there we are, a battle cry. In order to luster his men, to rally his troops, to inspire them to move forward to victory, he had to give them this encouragement, this battle cry. We, we find ourselves at the beginning of this new year and the beginning of this week of prayer. And essentially, what I want to do this morning, but I mean far less eloquently or inspiringly than Shakespeare, but is to give you a battle cry. Because this week of prayer is really, I want to put it like this, it's like a declaration of war. We're entering into a battle this week. It's not a physical war, of course. It's a spiritual one, as we've just read from Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we are in a spiritual battle against evil. This is what Jesus, uh, as, as Charlie was sharing last week from John chapter 17, uh, on New Year's Eve, you were hearing the prayer of Jesus on the eve of his, what some people call the conquest of evil. His defeat of sin and Satan and death, it was achieved through Jesus Christ. There's a breach in the wall and Jesus is calling us, come, come through this breach into the kingdom of darkness and let's flood it with light and life and the good news of my victory. It's a spiritual battle that Jesus has begun and that we are called up into as his people. Sadly, some people have either forgotten this or simply don't actually believe it. Who are so worldly minded, so focused only on what they can see that they are oblivious to what is really going on. But not us, right? I mean, we know, we are well aware that this is a spiritual battle. Sometimes we talk about it, uh, the battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
We struggle against the world, that is worldly ways and thinking that has no place for God. We struggle against our flesh, our sinful desires within, waging war with our spirit. And we struggle against the devil and evil powers and forces and authorities who want to uh, destroy human beings and keep them away from life and salvation in Christ. And so Paul says here, if we're to stand in this battle and not fall, we must put on the armor of God. Now, we're not going to look at the whole armor of God here. That's something I'd encourage you to go away and and think about. I want to particularly, because it's our week of prayer, focus on verse 18, really, which says this. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So, alongside that armor of God, Even the sword of the Spirit there, which is one of our weapons, the Word of God, the Bible. We are called there to pray in the Spirit. You know this, it's essential, isn't it, for any soldier or regiment or anything like that. In the heat of a battle, they've got to maintain good communication with command, haven't they? To relay important information from the battle, to receive crucial instructions. Prayer is that for us. It's a crucial link with God in heaven and with Jesus, our commander and captain. But but I also want to say prayer is like a battle cry too. Prayer is like a battle cry. It's what, what can rally us. It's what can inspire us. It's what can motivate us. It's what can focus us. It's what can direct us in this fierce struggle we are in. So as we begin this week of prayer, I want to give you three battle cry prayers. Three battle cry prayers. And they're all based on the familiar Lord's Prayer. All right. So let's read that now from Matthew chapter 6. If you want to turn now, put it on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 6. With Ephesians launching us into this, we're going to pick out three battle cry prayers for us today and this week. Matthew 6 verse 9. Jesus is here teaching, he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, as it's known, and he says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Three battle cries from this prayer. First, the battle cry of praise. Then the battle cry of purpose. And then the battle cry of provision. Firstly, the battle cry of praise. Praise. Uh, This is what focuses and frames everything and anything else we could wish for or pray for this week is this. Look at that first line again. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. As I said, prayer is this um, communication link with our commander-in-chief to the control room of the universe. But note how, firstly, personal this link is. It's not some kind of hardened general sort of barking orders at his troops, treating them more like cattle than human beings. No, he is our father. 
Father, a father who loves to hear his children pray, who loves to commune with them, to spend time with them through faith in Jesus the Son, we have been brought into intimate relationship with the Father to know the love of God as much as he loves Jesus the Son. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus the Son. And if he did not spare us, Jesus, for our salvation, will he not also graciously give us all things? Who is it who promises to give us what we ask for? Our Father. And just to meditate on that wonderful truth in itself is great encouragement to pray, isn't it? We could stop there. Maybe we should. But look, look at where then this Father is. In heaven. Our Father in heaven. Now the point of this isn't to say, look how far away God is. But rather, look how in control he is. Heaven is the control room of the universe. The epicenter of God's plans and purposes unfolding in the cosmos. This is where our Father is seated on his throne in sovereign control over everything. This is where Jesus has now ascended to the right hand of the Father who's been given all authority over all things. What confidence, what assurance, what hope that gives us in our praying. God is your Father, and your Father is God. Talk about that playground kind of banter. You know, my dad's better than your dad. Our Father is God. God is our Father. This is where prayer must start, isn't it? Uh, Between us as children and the Father who is in heaven. But following that, our battle cry says, hallowed be your name. To, To hallow... Someone or something, it's, it's related to words like holy. It's to regard something or someone as holy or sacred. Something extremely special and set apart. Some people talk about um, sporting stadiums as, as hallowed ground, don't they? I don't know, Clive, is Reading, is, Reading, is that the Majeski? Is that yeah. holy ground for you Reading fans? Is it, normally not the minute. Not great in a minute, yeah, but there you are. That sacred, special ground, you know. Here, it is the hallowing of God's name that we cry for. That means that God himself would be rightly honoured and respected and worshipped and glorified and praised in the way he deserves. In the world around us and in our own lives as well. And it is this which underpins everything else we pray for and live for Um, that's why it's the first thing that jesus gives us in this model prayer it's it's the most important thing everything we want everything we're going to say this week in our praying everything we ask for ultimately is aimed at this goal the glory of god the hallowing of god our battle cry prayer is for the glory of god That's the goal of everything, isn't it? That's the goal of our lives. That's the goal of our work, our ministry. It's the goal of creation itself. It's the very purpose for our existence. And we saw this last term, didn't we? When we looked at Ephesians 1, there's an entire generation of people, of young people who are told that there is no purpose in the universe. 
or to their lives. You have to make up your own purpose, your own significance. But that's too great a burden for anyone to bear. And it leads to despair. Maybe a mental health crisis as well. But it also leads to selfishness, doesn't it? Because it makes you the centre of your own little world, your own little universe. And everything needs to revolve around you. But no, this prayer, this battle cry puts God right back at the centre. And with him, the true goal of everything we're doing is all for the praise and glory of God. Only then can we find our true joy our true contentment, our true purpose. And listen, if this is God's purpose, if this is why he made everything for his glory, then it will certainly come about, won't it? Which means that if we pray it, it will be answered. If all that we ask and desire has this in view, then we have great confidence that he will hear and answer this prayer. Battle cry prayer keeps us connected with the control room of the universe and with our Heavenly Father who loves us so, so much. And remember, in our praying this week, we have access to that, to the throne of heaven. But, but the battle cry prayer here also keeps us focused on the goal, the glory and the praise of God. In our praying this week, let us keep this ultimate goal in mind. Not... not Uh, any temporary fleeting worldly goals, but the goal of the universe to bring glory to God. That's the first battle cry prayer. Here's the second, the battle cry of purpose. The battle cry of purpose. Look at the next line. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's face it, when it comes to our prayers, certainly my prayers, so often they are dominated by our own plans and purposes. Essentially, the building of my own little kingdom. That things go my way and they work for me. Now, I don't mean to say that God doesn't care about your life or your needs or your desires. Rather, this battle cry reminds us of the greater plans and purposes of God into which our lives fall. And must align themselves. That's why this battle cry prayer is really about the priority of building God's kingdom and doing his will. So so with the coming of Jesus, the kingdom has come, hasn't it? Um, Jesus is that king. He's the conquering king who frees his people. He destroys the enemy of death. He he, um, pardons our sins. He liberates us from Satan's power and so on. And that kingdom of Jesus grows with every person who repents and trusts and follows Jesus. The kingdom of God is truly the church of Christ. It is wherever men and women, boys and girls truly worship and obey King Jesus. These people are a people who are totally committed to doing the will of their beloved king. Like the angels of heaven who delight to do his will, Psalm 103 says. A people devoted to living out the words of their king, doing everything he says to glorify and please him. And Jesus, he's laid all of this out already in in this Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 6 and 7. 
Jesus is a kingdom of, uh, 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 this, this is a kingdom of people who are blessed. When they are poor in spirit, when they're mourning, weak, hungering for righteousness, who are merciful, pure in heart and seeking peace, even though they are persecuted, they are a blessed people. These are people who are like salt and light in the world, doing good wherever they go and for all to see so that they might say, wow, how great must their king be for those people to live like that? These people do not hate or get angry Because that is murder in the heart according to their king. They are faithful in marriage, utterly committed to their spouse. Or they dare not ever get married because it's such a sacred calling. They are a people of their word. Totally trustworthy. They have the highest integrity. They are the kind to turn the cheek to their enemies. Loving them and blessing them instead. um, Doing good to them rather than retaliating. They would always go the extra mile for someone, loving the stranger, the unworthy, the ones who can't pay them back. This is a kingdom of people who don't worry about the things everyone else worries about, like food and clothes, because they follow a king who knows all their needs before they do. This is a people who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and and trust themselves to his care. Dear friends, as people who follow the king, as members of this kingdom ourselves, his church, that's who we're called to be. This is the kind of kingdom Jesus is building through us. It's not my kingdom. It's not my will. It must be his, the way of the world, the way of the spirit of this dying age says the opposite. It's all about you. No, here it's all about Christ. This people, this people of the Christ King, we live by a different way. So our, our battle cry, our battle cry is that more and more people, firstly, are snatched from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of Jesus. And our battle cry is that the kingdom grows as we Learn to live according to the will of our king, the ways of the king, according to the way of the spirit. So can you see, it's a battle cry of purpose. The building of the kingdom of God in these ways. There's one final battle cry to see. And that's a battle cry of provision. The battle cry of provision. Look at verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And there are three parts of this here. God's provision, God's pardon and God's protection. And what we're reminded of here is how God gives us everything we need in this struggle, in this battle. As we try and live out those, that kingdom life and we know we don't always get it right at all. Wow, there's great encouragement here. I'll give you what you need. I'll provide for you in the battle. What do you feel you're lacking today? (laughs) What do you feel like you've dragged yourself in? I've got nothing this morning, Dan. I'll provide, he says. I'll sustain. I'll give you what you need. Firstly, that daily bread, very practical, daily provision of the things we need, physical needs. 
as well as spiritual things. And, and here you've got those echoes, haven't you? Remember, this is Sermon on the Mount stuff. It's all kind of linked to wilderness time in the book of Exodus and so on. And there in the book of Exodus, the people of Israel, they've been liberated from slavery in Egypt. You remember how the Lord rained down bread from heaven for them to eat every day to sustain them in the wilderness. But remember, it was only enough for the day, wasn't it? It was, they couldn't store some up because it would go rotten for the next day. You remember this? They only could have enough for the day, not the week. You didn't give them enough, here's enough for the week. Here's enough for the month. Here's enough for the next year. No, every day and only enough for the day because he was teaching them and us that they must trust him every day to provide. Don't rely on yourself. Don't rely on the storerooms you've got at home or in the bank or wherever. Rely on me every day. So this is a prayer that reminds us and teaches us that we are utterly dependent on God. That's the battle cry. Maybe the cost of living crisis, maybe other financial pressures. They ought to be teaching us that we cannot rely on ourselves to get bread and make wealth. We need God's caring provision. We're relying on him. Secondly, in this struggle, in, the, in this battle, we need pardon. We need forgiveness. I, I think it's just such, we can't miss how wonderful a thing this is that Jesus would include this in this model prayer. He's inviting us to pray this all the time, every day, to come to the Father as much as we need and whenever we need to seek his forgiveness. He knows we all stumble and fail and fall. He knows that in this battle, we're not always going to prevail over our sin, for example. But he is so gracious He is so forgiving that he's prepared to forgive, to restore, to renew, to heal. Like daily bread. This is a daily invitation to daily grace. It's enough. It's enough to meet us every day. And it's also a prayer, isn't it, about forgiving others. The meaning of as we forgive those who sin against us is really to show that if we've been forgiven by Jesus, then we too will forgive other people when we sin against them. That's the kingdom way. In this battle, God wants us, Christ Church, to be a united people, loving and serving each other. He knows, look, look he knows as brothers and sisters, we're not always going to get along. We're not always going to see eye to eye. Sometimes we're going to clash. Sometimes we're going to rub each other up the wrong way. Sometimes we might fall out. But there is a call here to forgive, to show grace to one another as well. So this prayer, this battle cry is a call really to love one another well as well. That's our battle cry. We're going to love each other. We're going to forgive each other. That's our battle cry. And the last thing is, is really for protection because, you know, with that in mind, that the, the, the dangers of falling out, really, it's important because our enemy wants that. <laughs> he wants us to fall out. He wants us to be divided. He wants us to be disunited. Which is the third thing here. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We need deliverance. We need protection. That word temptation there means can mean testing or trial and so the sense here of this request is that God who would never 
tempt us to sin. God, God would not do that, but he, that he would protect us in situations where we then might be tempted and perhaps sin. Maybe another way of saying this is something like this. Lead us in the way that is not temptation. Lead us in the path of righteousness. That's really what we're asking here. We're asking God to help us, to protect us. When we're under pressure, when we're feeling weak, when we're caught up in a difficult situation, that we would then choose the right path out of it instead of giving in to sin. Maybe we're tired and the kids are being difficult and we're in a trial. We're we're tempted to get angry. We're tempted to lose our temper. This prayer in the battle for deliverance asks for help to choose a better path that leads to what is right. Maybe we're under pressure at work and we're up late on the computer again and we're tired and the temptation to look at pornography is very strong. This prayer in the battle asks for help to choose a better path that leads to what is right. Maybe we're suffering a long-term illness. We're tempted to despair, to be anxious, to doubt the Father's love. This prayer in the battle asks for help to choose the better path that leads to what is right. To faith in Christ, the peace and assurance of the Spirit. Can you see? Our enemy, we're told, is like a lion prowling around looking for someone to devour he is your adversary he is your accuser he wants to bring you down he wants to bring our church down he loves to take little nothing things and turn them into great big things that divide a church he wants to bring us down he wants to sow seeds of division and disunity among us here at Christchurch and he's constantly looking for a way in and you may not even know it he's constantly checking our defenses he's he's seeing if he can find a way in all the time as ephesians says we must be alert in our praying he's looking for a foothold as ephesians says He's looking for ways of getting you to trust in yourself or your own wealth or ability and power so that you stop trusting in him for your daily provision. Friends, aren't we in a fierce battle? But this prayer is our battle cry, calling us to look up to the Father again, the one who provides, the one who pardons, the one who protects, to depend on him. That's our battle cry. Dear friends, let's lift up prayers like this. Battle cries, I want to call them this week. We're entering that, a battle and a struggle. And these are our cries. That God be glorified. That his kingdom is built among us. And that he provide everything we need in this struggle. Have you lost sight? Have you lost sight of the goal of your life? Of what it's all about? of direction and purpose, then come. Why don't you come and join us in prayer this week and find your heart enlarged with a bigger and better vision of what life is all about, the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, are you tired of seeing evil 
prosper and godlessness prevail? Are you moved and broken hearted over the misery of sin and suffering in the world around you? Maybe you've lost hope entirely. Then come, come and join us in prayer this weekend and help us call on God's divine power that demolishes Satan's strongholds, Paul says. Have you fallen by the way? Uh, Do you feel wounded? You're limping through the Christian life, weighed down by cares and burdens and sins and sorrows. Then come, come and join us. Pray with us this week. Be revived, be strengthened, be renewed. Are you even in this fight at all? Maybe you're not a Christian at all. Are you even in this fight? Have you already been captured by the enemy? Then come to Christ, the great liberator. He will free you if you turn to him and trust in him and repent of your sin. He will save you and forgive you and wash you and put his spirit within you and give you a new future and life and hope. Join this movement. Get baptized. Join the church. Become part of this battle. Because Christ has already won it. (laughs) This is the hope we have. Yes, there's this battle, but Christ has won the victory. There's a breach in the wall, dear friends. There's a way in. Come once more unto the breach, dear friend, with our praying and with our work together. Christ has already made the victory possible. He's risen from the dead. He's ascended on high. The victory is ours (laughs) in Christ Jesus. Come, Come join us in prayer in these battle cries. This week, this week, let the hounds of hell hear our voice. Let these spiritual powers of evil shake in their boots as we call out to our Father in heaven. Let darkness flee at the sound of our cries. Glory be to God the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.